And we are live. Here it is. Y'all didn't even know we were coming on. We didn't put no announcement out, but we're back. It's Friday night. This is the place to be as always. Um, I want you to just right away, those of you who are seeing this, come on, like, and share this. I'm going to go ahead and go ahead and share the live even now, as the church people say, even now. Uh, this is going to be an incredible episode tonight. Yes, sir. <clears throat> this is going to be so good. MLA, you are literally the first one in here. As always. <laughs> hey, she's always. back. As always. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Emily did an incredible job on our podcast here um, yes, she did. two weeks ago. Man, if you didn't uh, see that whole series that we did about how does the church treat women right, you need to go back through this page and watch those. Man, those were um, absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible episodes. Um, and I, I think that they were totally. very, very much so a, um, a blessing, honestly, to, uh, to everybody, um, and, and to women. Esther Lotus, thank you for joining. Hey, mom. Nah, hey, mom. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't figured it out by now, those of you that watch us, the two here on the bottom of your screen uh, you've got Caleb here, who is here, yeah, here, and you got Philip, who's here, and uh, those guys are blood brothers. Okay, uh, I am Justin mm -hmm. Smiley, uh, and uh, I am not their blood brother unless you count the blood of Jesus. Uh, <laughs> He's a yeah. Justin is a Justin is the brother we never had. That's that's who Justin is. <laughs> But the brother we've always wanted. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, and it's better to be that than the brother you never wanted. Exactly. Uh, so uh, we're all in here. And uh, Adrian Gamble, what's, Adrian, up? what's up? Good to uh, see you. So tonight, you know, we, we were talking and we, we, we hadn't really done an, an introduction episode kind of talking about us. Um so we wanted to just come on and kind of give you guys a piece of our, our hearts and what our drive is. Um, all of us are in ministry or have been in ministry uh, to various degrees. So we'll give you a little bit about our history um, tonight and uh, man, and, and, and kind of what our heart and passion is. And, and you know, uh, this is going to be a great one. I think you're going to get some great nuggets uh, tonight as well that will help you even in the search for your own call. So I, I want you to get on, like this, share this, make sure all of your friends list knows that the voice of the Millennial Podcast is on tonight. Um, Philip, anything to say to get started here before, or before, should I say before we get started? No, I mean, uh, thank y'all for joining. Uh, we had a little week hiatus because <laughs> it was my wife's birthday. But um, yeah, I mean, we're back and we're we're about to get back into this full swing just to kind of let y'all know who we are and what we what we about. And uh, yeah, we're going to get started. Caleb. Um, nothing really. Uh, <laughs> just uh, please like, share. Um, we're on Spotify. We're also on Apple. So 
please share with your friends. And um, if you have anything you want us to tackle, any topics you want to tackle, any tough topics, go ahead and put them in the comments or send them to either one of us directly. And we will definitely awesome, jump on awesome. them. So um, I guess we'll, we'll start with you, Caleb. Um, you know, for, for you, uh, the first part would be, um, I guess, go ahead and tell us um, kind of what your uh, call to ministry was like, like what was your background kind of coming up in church um, and that whole call to ministry piece, how did that work for you? Um, so uh, as all of you, as most of you know, um, I grew up in the church uh, from since I was a little baby. And, um, and so my grandfather, both of my grandfathers were, um, were preachers and pastors. Um, my grandmother uh, was a preacher in Jamaica. And so we, so I come from a line of ministers. So uh, because of that, we've always been a part of the ministry um, as little kids, like uh, especially the music ministry. We've always been a part of the music ministry when we were kids. And then when I became a teenager, about uh what was it 15 16 i just i just felt this urging this this urge to preach you know it wasn't a it wasn't a you know it wasn't one of those overly dramatic anticlimactic you know you're at the altar on sir at service one day and then you know the sky opens and god's like caleb i'm calling you to preach like it wasn't like that it was just more so of a more so of a nudge more so of a nudge uh to to start preaching um and it kind of just complemented what we were doing um as far as music ministry was concerned yeah what about you phil um i mean pretty much it's kind of the same uh like Hill said we were both born on born on a pew so you know we were both raised in church um and as, as people have come to realize that doesn't really mean anything when it comes to you actually being a true Christian <laughs> being born on a pew doesn't really mean a thing. Um, so, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, in the early, early part of my life, I went through life uh, just kind of going to church because I didn't really have a choice, <laughs> you know, um, I was just there. Um, but, you know, you know, I, I but I, I had my moments being, you know, serious in, in church and everything. And, you know, one day I made the conscious decision to get baptized and everything. So, um, yeah. And as um, and as Caleb said, we were both heavily, heavily involved in the music uh, ministry. Um, I, I don't know exactly what age I began singing in church, but I remember I still I'm pretty sure there's a picture out there on Facebook somewhere of me uh, in a, in an ugly ugly brown shirt and a tie that didn't fit, and I, I had the mic in my hand, and I'm I forgot what song I was singing, but I remember singing one song, mm -hmm. that, and my dad had me singing solos in church. So music ministry has been a part of my life since I was I'd say probably at least five five years old. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, we I, I mean I me personally I never had any. Uh, motivation to really pursue ministry. Uh, I just love music. So, you know, that just, it, it, I guess that, that love for music kind of, you know, chose me, but uh, I never had a person, you know, motivate me for ministry or anything. And uh, just like Caleb said, you know, one day I, I just kind of had the urge to um, share the gospel um, because now at that point in my life, my relationship with God had became um, a relationship with God and not just 
you know, a relationship by association with my parents or my pastor or whatever, but it was actually between me and God. Um, so then, yeah, I, you know, got the call to preach and everything. Um, and after short, shortly after, uh, both Caleb and I went to Bible college, um, which a lot of people don't know we did. 13. I think we were, I think you were 16 and I was 15. Pretty sure. It was in 2011. It was in 2011. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we were, we were like in our, in our, you know, early teenage years and we went to Bible college and, um, I always tell people, um, it it was, it was actually a great experience. I enjoyed Bible college, but we didn't necessarily need Bible college because our understanding of the Bible was kind of already, uh, we didn't realize it, but our our understanding of the Bible was already, um, pretty advanced. So we, we felt like at the time we didn't, uh, it was a great experience, you know, and everything we got to be exposed to different denominations and our professors were always fun to debate with. I'm not going to lie. Always fun. <laughs> our, prof- our professors always told us, they were like, we love having you guys in class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and so, yeah, that, you know, I kind of, we, we kind of went to Bible college and I, I kind of went uh, because I kind of wanted to. Uh, get some kind of training as far as ministry goes, because there was nobody around to do that for me. Um, so yeah. yeah, and yeah, and ever since then, uh, I joined the military. I felt God, God told me to join the military, which is kind of a weird thing. Whenever I tell my story to people, is I'm like, God told me to join the military, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, hindsight being 2020, like it was definitely God that told me to go to the military. Um, and then um, I came to uh, Alaska, and. Um, Kind of got started in ministry short shortly after i was just a drummer you know in the music ministry and everything and then i got into youth ministry um just kind of being a, a youth leader and everything and i uh, that ministry kept on growing and growing and then um in 2018 i officially became a licensed minister of the united pentecostal church international and um now um i'm a music leader at my church worship leader and um, um also still a, a youth leader as well so yeah, that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Awesome. I think I'd probably share uh, very similar. Uh, my father w- was a pastor, um, you know, pretty much my entire childhood. Um, uh, he became a pastor when I was like, I don't know, two or three years old. Um, so, uh, you know, obviously you come up in ministry and a ministry family. Um, and he was preaching before before I was born. So my entire life, I've been a uh, what we you'd call a PK or pastors or preachers kid. Um, music, my family is extremely musical, has been for generations. Um, you know, uh, my my family, my my age group is probably a fourth generation singers, songwriters, musicians. Um, so coming up, I started playing piano when I was four. I started playing in church for different, you know, special selections and that type of thing when I was probably six. Uh, I started singing in children's choir, I'm told, when I was two years old. Uh, and um, I uh, I started playing drums when I was seven. Um, I started playing the bass guitar when I was 10 or 11. Uh, I started playing the organ when I was 14. Um, and so I've kind of just moved around very, very much so within music. Uh, I started to lead worship when I was 17. Um, and then uh, the call to ministry, uh, that came when I was 18. And so I've been uh, primarily in, in various forms of the preaching ministry uh, since 18. 
uh, and still am active in uh, in the music ministry as well at my current church. Now I am uh, primarily playing the keyboards. Um, now let's let's go back to something and kind of deal with this. As far as salvation, do, do you did you guys experience? You know, a lot of times when when you come up in ministry families and as church kids in general. Um, you know, they go through this rebellious phase where you don't want anything to do with God. You don't want anything to do with church. You are being forced uh, to go to church. Um, you know, that's the testimony of a lot of people that, you know, uh, the PKs, especially or ministry uh, families, that the children just went out and went wilding and just went crazy all through, yeah. through the world. Um, so first, uh, I guess, go, give your give your age. Uh, since that was asked in the comments, how old are you? And then um, what was your experience like? How old were you when you gave your heart to Christ, uh, when you got baptized, and did you deal with that phase? Um, Caleb, you, you can start us off with that one. Um, <clears throat> all right, so I'm 25, 25 years old, 25 last year, um, August of 2020, uh, when I was was I I forget how old I was I think I was like like nine eight or nine years old this was back in 2004 um uh Philip and I had given our hearts to the Lord um around the same time um when we were talking with our dad and um got baptized in June of 2004 and um I would say I never really had that that nudge to just do whatever I wanted. Um, I did go through a rebellious phase, but it wasn't a rebellious phase in terms of um, I didn't want to, uh, you know, be a Christian anymore. It was just one. It was just your typical teenage, you know, rebellious, rebellious phase. Um, I I personally haven't, but I'm I'm different than a lot of people. Um, but that's pretty much been my experience in terms of you know. Uh, going through that phase. Uh, what was your other question? Um, I, I think you you answered it. How how old were you when you got saved, baptized, and did you go through that through that phase? Um, what what about you, Phil? Um, yeah, yeah. Like Philip said, it was about about eight, nine, ten years old. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure we got baptized the same the same day. Um, so uh, yeah, and that was when I yeah, when that was when I consciously uh, you know made a decision to give my heart to the Lord, but. Um, you know, later on in my teenage years, I just, I, uh, especially preteen years, I just, um, going, like going to middle school and everything and being, you know, going to public school and all that, you know, I, I personally wanted to fit in <laughs> because I was, and mainly the reason was because I was very young in middle school. I was younger than everybody in my class. Like I was 10 when I was in sixth grade and everybody else was like 13, you know, uh, and, and it was because of homeschool, you know, I fast tracked through school. So I was younger than everybody. And, um, you know, I got picked on a lot, so I just wanted to, you know, fit in. I got bullied a lot, so I just wanted to fit in. And um, I don't know, I, I guess stemming from that kind of um, sparked my rebellious phase. Um, um, I I would say I, I probably had the worst rebellious phase out of all of my siblings. Um, my mom my mom would probably tell you that, too. <laughs> um, you did. But, yeah, I mean, I went, I went through that phase, and then... Um, I feel like around the time I went to Bible college is when uh, that phase kind of got put on pause um, and life was just better for me. Um, 
it, and that, that was around the time I, I was almost graduating high school too. So um, it was, it was kind of a time that I was like, well, you know, I should be maturing now and I should be figuring out what I want to do with life. Um, I never not believed in God. I, I was, I was, I always knew God was real and that I wanted to, you know, please God and everything. But um, yeah, it was, um, it was just a rebellious phase. It's, it's, it's hard. It's kind of stupid when you look back on your rebellious phase, you know, but um you just you know you had to go through it i feel like and really my 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 school of hard knocks life really set me up for who i am today i feel like especially being in youth ministry i feel like it set me up perfectly for for what i'm doing now um but yeah when, I mean, when i went to the military it was i wouldn't even call that necessarily a rebellious phase i would just f call that like i got pushed out into the world and now i had to deal with people on my own and i had to you know deal with uh my relationship with God on my own. Um, so that was, that was a troubling time. I wouldn't say it was a, a rebellious phase, but it was a kind of a, it was like a spiritually challenging time because now I was kind of by myself yeah, out, out in the real world, you know, having to deal with, you know, stuff that I haven't really dealt with before. So um, yeah. And I'm also 24, I'm turning 25 later on this year. Cool. Cool. Um, it really, especially if you're Christian, like you are just out there flapping in the wind, and it's it when it your comes faith. to your, when it comes to your faith and it comes to your walk with God, it's sink or swim. It is sink or swim, yeah. you know. So, um, Philip and I had to deal with that, and it's it's very, 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 very challenging um, when you've grown up very sheltered your whole life. Yeah, that's very true. Um, my, my case, um, I I'm 26. I'm the oldest of the three of us, uh, by like a few months, honestly. Um, and, uh, I, um, I, uh, my experience is probably a little bit more dramatic. Um, so my mom tells me, and I don't remember this, but my mom told me when I was about, I think it was around two years old or so that she said one day I was with her and then I walked away and went into my room and I was there for a while. And she said, I came back and told her, mom, I asked Jesus into my heart and he told me, yes, I don't remember this. What I do remember was when I was about three, maybe just before I turned four, being at a, uh, what we used to call camp meeting and this was at a church that had a pool. I think we've actually all been to this church before. Um, I what you're talking about. Yeah. And um, I remember they, they were opening up the pool for baptism. And I wanted to be baptized. I knew I was saved and I wanted to be baptized. I couldn't have been any more than four years old. And I asked my dad to baptize me. And he said, no. He said, you're too young. And so for me... I literally went and begged for the next couple of years. I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. So finally, when I was six years old, my dad tells me, tells me finally, he's like, one, one Sunday, he's like, hey, I'll baptize you today after church. Now, our church was a storefront building, so we didn't have a baptismal. And anytime we were doing baptisms, we would rent out a pool 
you know, in the local uh, area there and use that pool for baptisms. Typically it was a hotel. Um, well, this particular Sunday after church, it's finally my day to get baptized. I've been asking for a couple years to be baptized. And I remember it was raining that day. And I mean, it was torrentious rain. It was crazy. And people were saying like, oh, well, you're not going to get baptized today. That was it. And I, I honestly don't know how, but people literally stayed after church. I, I don't know. Like, I just remember I refused to give up the idea of being baptized that day. I was like, no, I'm getting baptized today. I remember one of my cousins laughing at me and saying, <laughs> they can baptize you in that puddle. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I was adamant that I wanted to be baptized that day. And next thing you know, the, the sky cleared, the rain went away, the sun comes out, and I got baptized that day in 2001, six years old. And uh, that that was a day I, I you know just imprinted in my in my mind forever. I, I, I never went through a rebellious phase um, as it pertains to the things of the Lord, honestly, or even with just regular life, I don't really know that I went through a rebellious phase. Um, at least I, I wouldn't consider it to be so. But especially when it comes down to the things of the Lord, I never had a moment where I was not interested in church, where I was not serving in church, where I was not um, doing the, you know, the absolute best I could to serve God. I, I never had that moment. Uh, I'd say since, since a child, I've always been passionate, uh, about serving the Lord. And so that, that's always been a thing, uh, you know, for me now, now let's deal with this call to ministry as far as that process. Um, Phil, we'll start with you. You know, you said, you know, after you grew up, you know, you you felt a call to ministry. What was that like? You know, um, you, you said you weren't really pressured into preaching, but what, what was that like for you uh, as far as the thought process? Was it just like one day like, hey, I should be a preacher or like, how, how was that? What What's that process? And not only, OK, you started to feel the call, but then on top of that, why? Like, what was the why that God gave you? Like, okay, I've called you to minister. Why? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it, it was interesting because, I mean, like I said, I didn't really have anybody that motivated me into that. And um, the only ministers in our family as far as pulpit ministry was our grandfathers. <clears throat> and on my dad's side, I really never got to know my grandfather that well. And on my mom's side, um, I got to know my grandfather better, but... Um, he he was uh, I forgot I, he, I think he had Parkinson's is what it was called. Um, so he I, I didn't really get to pick his brain or anything, and he never yeah. really got to you know mentor me in that aspect. So really, the only only other person in our family that really had that that ministry of pulpit ministry specifically was our uncle. And um, I I just remember one day, and I'm pretty sure I was I was just sitting in a car with my mom. And I don't even really think we we're talking. I think we we're just listening to music or anything. And then it was just like I felt God tell me, like, you need to be um, a preacher. And I'm sitting up here like. And and the crazy part is this was kind of during my rebellious phase, which is what makes it extra weird, because I'm like, I'm this isn't now like like, no, I was at the time I was probably like. 10, 12 around there um maybe 13 13 at the latest 
Um, but I was, I was, I was like preteen years, you know, and I, and I felt, um, God telling me that. And I, I honestly pushed it down for a while because I, I, at the time I didn't think that, you know, oh, I heard from God, you know, at the time I didn't really understand the concept of, oh, I heard from God, um, except for when I went and got baptized. So I, I, I just kind of pushed it down. You know, I didn't really think much of it, um, because, uh, you know, like I said, music ministry has been a huge part of my life since a very young age. So it was really easy for me to do music. Um, I never really thought of it as ministry, but it's really easy for me to do music ministry because that was like my first, my first love, you, sure, say, sure. you know? So, uh, music just kind of came easy, but, um, as, as the years went on and yeah, I think this was about 11 that I, that I felt, uh, the call to that ministry and I kept pushing it down. I say for about two years, two, three years, um, which is a long time to do that. But I kept, I just kept pushing it back and kept pushing it back. Cause I was just like, nah, I don't, I don't really think it was, it was nothing serious, serious. And then, um, um, one day I, I just felt like I heard it clearly again, like you need to be a preacher. And my first reaction was why, like, why me? Well, why, why do I need to be a preacher? Um, and so because I didn't really know much about this and I really didn't have anybody to go to about it, I went to my uncle who was, um, who I'd, I'd say about a year or two prior became, um, a licensed minister, um, I forgot which church he became a licensed minister with, but he became a or no, he came he became an ordained minister. So you know he was the one that I was like, okay, let me let me let me go and talk to him. And I remember he came over to our house and then he sat down, and these words have stuck with me ever since that day. He said, "You wouldn't be feeling this if it wasn't real." And like that was like the moment that really clicked for me that I'm like, okay, well this if it, if I'm feeling this way, then I'm guessing that this should be God. Um, but, you know, I, w I wanted to make sure that it was God and everything. So I, I kept on um, I didn't necessarily push it down, but I started looking into like, what do I need to do? Like, how do I how do you get started in this? What do I need to how who do I need to be like, you know, that, that kind of stuff? You know, there's so many questions when you get that that call to be a preacher. Um, and then um, God, God just kind of spoke to me and kind of cleared some things up. You know, um, I felt like he he was saying that because of my. Um, personality, um, because of my experience, I should help use my experiences to minister to others. Um, and that's kind of what I've done ever since then. You know, um, I'm not necessarily a deep relevatory type speaker, but I really, um, I feel like my call to the ministry was more of a practical sense, as in I'm, I'm there to help people practically apply the gospel to their lives. Mm. And, and deal with their their issues in a practical sense you know um so that's what i that's what i've always felt and then um of course like like, like we said we went to bible college and that's where i kind of you know um got exposed to other denominations and other doctrines and stuff like that and i got to really kind of hone in my own um uh, understanding of the bible and and doctrine and everything and then um yeah and i, th I think i preached my first sermon at 15 i think it was 14 or 15 um, at our, at our, at a, at a, at a missions, uh, type church. And, um, yeah. yeah and, and ever since then, I mean, I, I remember a little bit after that, I went and I actually started being an evangelist cause that's the ministry specifically. I feel, I felt called to was being an evangelist. And then, you know, after that, I went and started preaching a few places, um, uh, you know, around the South and everything. And just, I feel like that was kind of like my getting comfortable in ministry. Um, 
and then yeah so that was that's kind of like how my ministry started and everything and um yeah i guess i'll pass it to caleb before i get too far they um so philip and i's if you guys have noticed philip and i's journeys have kind of been the same in our lives um you know outside of a few outliers because we philip and i were raised like twins so we were always kind of we were always together when we were young we him and I were in the same grade, even though he was younger than me, a year younger, he, we were always in the same grade. We did everything together. So, um, our uncle Randy had came, um, the, the uncle we, he was talking about our uncle Randy had started mentoring us at a young age, um, when he became an ordained minister. And, um, and he, uh, uh, like Philip said, he had told us, you know, you wouldn't have these thoughts you wouldn't feel this way if it wasn't real and so he's the one who sort of encouraged us he's the one who really encouraged us and to explore uh, our ministerial gift um for me like philip i was always in and involved you know in singing in church and then when i got older playing in church and so it was always just in my opinion i thought the only thing i was good for was just playing mm. music you know i i didn't think i would ever you know want to preach I, I was just like you know this is i guess this is all i'm good for and honestly the climate that we grew up in kind of kind of tried to cement that ideology in our heads that the only thing yeah. we were good for is singing and playing and so uh, i would say uh when i was uh i had a, my, my call was a lot later than phillips um my call was like 15 years old when I had, when I finally started getting the urge and honestly, it, it wasn't one of those like specific, like you're going to start preaching, you're going to be an evangelist or you're going to be a pastor. It was one of those, I had this, I've, I've always had this urge and this, this resolve to help mm. people. I just want to help people. And I start as a young guy, I've, I've, it wasn't as clear to me as it is clear now, but as a young guy, I started getting this inkling that, that, um, I needed to help people and the way I was going to help people was through ministry. And, and so I started exploring that a little bit, um, at 15, 16, um, preached my first sermon at 16 years old. Um, um, and I sort of, and then it kind of went to the back burner because the pastor we were under at the time, Philip and I had went and we had told him that we had a call to preach and, he he kind of just looked at us and was like, That's great. And you know <laughs> he kind of just looked at us and was like, okay, cool. I, I don't know what to tell him this. And so me and Philip, you know, we told him, you know, and he had this preacher from Arizona uh, you know, lay hands on us. And you know, after that, that was it. Uh -huh. was like, oh, have cool. fun with that. You guys have a call to preach. Cool. And um, yeah, and so for me personally, um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much it was like, have fun with that, you know, and like my mom just said in the comments, there was not a support system for young ministry in the circle that we grew up in. It was all about the uh, older people. So for me, that kind of discouraged me. And so I kind of pushed it down and just didn't really think about it. Uh, I turned 18. I went to the military and um, if any, you know, Philip knows this in, in the military, it's hard to pursue ministry. It's hard to do yeah. that type of stuff because, you know, for me, I, when you're in the military and you work a 24 hour ops job, you are always either you're, you're very 
your life is very demanding of you. And so for me, I kind of just pushed it down and just started working and just just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and didn't really think about it anymore because I was like, well, because of that experience, my mindset was like, well, if it was of God, then, you know, he would have, you know, it would have happened when I wanted it to happen. And so I just kind of pushed it off for a couple of years. And then, um, you know, some things happened in my life. Um, and, you know, I started, just started, sort of started uh, exploring more my calling and just, you know, just talking to God about it. And um, I went to, uh, was it Florida? Yeah, I went to Florida, uh, got stationed there after uh, New Mexico and started exploring ministry there. That's when I, I got involved more and more with the United Pentecostal Church and um, uh, preached a sermon there. And then um, then I got moved to uh, Louisiana. And Louisiana is where I kind of started explore, exploring my ministry a lot more. And um, I got involved in the uh, Hurts, Habits, and Hangups ministry. And um, I've kind of started, I felt like that's where my place is, is just helping people get through whatever it is they need help getting through. Because, you know, I, I realized that ministry is more than me getting behind a pulpit and sounding like I got laryngitis. Ministry is more than me telling people how they need to live. Um, I, I felt like I really needed to get down mm. in the trenches with people and just have real conversations with them and just say, hey, look, even though I may be a minister, I am just yes. like you. I'm I'm fighting too. You know, I'm I'm with you. And it, that that's just kind of been where my mind has been at. You know, if somebody if somebody says, Hey, I want you to preach here, I would, you know, I would do it. I would definitely do it. But that's not my main focus. And my and I've kind of noticed that um recently. It's like the young cats coming up, like that's their only focus is pulpit ministry. But I realized it's a whole lot broader yes. than just sitting back there, you know, preaching and singing and, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, um, it wasn't until recent years that I've started really delving into my calling and um, really trying to adhere, you know, hear the Lord mm -hmm. in what's going on. Awesome. I think for me, um, different from the two of you, all my life, people told me I was supposed to preach. I remember as a child and anybody who's known me for a long time, you know, since my childhood, uh, they know when I was a little, little, little kid, I wanted to be a preacher. I imitated the preachers. I would sit on the front row of the church and I would bring my sippy cup with me. And when the preacher took a drink of his water, I would take a drink out of my sippy cup. Like I was, Super into preaching. When I was around seven or eight years old, though, I, I was not interested anymore. Um, it was just kind of one of those little phases where, like, playing church wasn't something I was interested in as much. And people around that time just kept telling me, hey, you need to be a preacher. You need to be a preacher. But most of it was, your dad is a preacher, so you should be a preacher. Mm -hmm. I think you'd be a good preacher. Or you you seem to have good command of the mic. You're not shy. I was always very outspoken as a child. I've never had an issue speaking my opinion. Um, 
you know, I've never had an issue setting people straight if I felt like I needed to. Uh, I've probably toned down on that more as I've grown up than when I was a kid, especially. <laughs> uh, you know, I just say whatever. So everyone always told me I was you need to be a preacher. 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 And I didn't feel a call. All I heard was people telling me you need to be a preacher. And I remember um, when I was 14 years old, a good friend of mine. Um, he was honestly was my best friend. He was like a big brother to me. And when I was 14, he he, he was in a car accident and he passed. And um, his mom asked me to say words at his at his service. And when I spoke, I he was a preacher and he, he was, you know, about five years older than I. And he was a preacher. And I, I just I remember wanting to to speak out um, at his service in a way that would make him proud. I, I, I remember thinking like, how would he speak um, if if I were the one laying there? What, you know, what, how would he approach this? And so I approached it, um, you know, and I said some words about him. And at the end of it, uh, I just began to talk about him uh, as how he would be in heaven. And I made some hymn references and stuff, and the crowd went crazy. I mean, it went berserk. Now, you gotta imagine, this is a popular young man in the area. Everybody knows him. You're talking about a church that is packed out from the balcony to the floor. The pulpit is full of preachers. And of course, people are thinking, you need to preach. Yeah. I don't feel a call to preach. Everybody's thinking, but my father, he thought that at the time you need to be preaching. And so after, it wasn't too long after that, he, that he started to, uh, you know, for a few times, uh, have uh, a, a service where he basically would have me to come up to encourage the people. Cause you know, coming up, that's how they would get you. If they thought you had a call to preach and you wouldn't acknowledge it, mm -hmm. they would just, you know, put you up to testify. And more likely than not, you would at some point in this uh, journey, you would you would get up there and you would end up going too long and you'd end up preaching anyways because you couldn't help it. You'd start preaching. Yeah, I was fully aware of what was happening, and so um, I would go up there and I would speak for five minutes. And I was very detailed on what I would have to say. I would throw in some jokes because I did not feel the call. So I literally would go up there and just share a little, you know, comedic uh, presentation that would have, you know, a point to it. Um, but I didn't in, really, I wasn't, I, I knew like, I, like, I know you guys are trying to get me to preach, but I'm not interested. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't feel the call. Um, but I, Literally, the, the older I got, the more people kept pushing me about this preaching thing, whether it was, you know, hearing a whisper or somebody coming up to me and saying, I think you should pre preach. But at, during this time, I'm developing my relationship with the Lord more and more and more. I remember when I was 17. Um, I mean, it was really getting to me uh, hearing people, you know, try to, you know, say things about preaching and and I didn't sense anything at all. But I really, I was so bothered by so many people talking to me about it that I remember one night in prayer saying, okay, Lord, I'll preach. Okay, I'll go and talk to my dad and I'll, I'll preach. I'll tell them I'm called to preach. And I remember distinctly that night hearing in prayer, I heard the Lord say, I never told you to preach. 
So I said, okay. And I didn't do it. And I had peace about that for about a year. I was not bothered by anyone who had something to say about preaching. Cause I did, I, I knew from that confirmation in prayer, I, I heard so clear. I never told you to preach. You're only doing this because people are pushing you to do it. And so I didn't do anything. I left it alone. But after that, I really began to sense that the Lord really was drawing me even more closer to him and that there was something else in my life that he wanted out of me. Um, you know, and I had started leading worship. Uh, that was not something I was really interested in doing. I kind of got pushed into leading worship. Um, I ended up enjoying it, but uh, I got pushed into, into that. I didn't feel like that was a thing that the Lord was pulling on my heart to do. And I didn't really know exactly what the Lord was pulling my heart to do. But here's what I've come to find out uh, as far as callings. Well, let me save that for a minute. So I, I, I came, I came uh, up and, and the Lord really pushed on my heart to start fasting and praying. So I began to really put time into prayer, you know, uh, an hour and a half, two hours into prayer and study a day. I fasted at least one uh, day a week, sometimes multiple days. Um, I just began to really make that a part of my regimen, trying to get closer to the Lord, trying to hear the voice of the Lord more clearly. And I, I'll never forget, um, I started to sense that there was some type of call towards ministry in some form as far as helping people. I didn't really, I didn't know it was pulpit ministry at first. I just knew somehow or another, my assignment is to help people in the, in, specifically in the sense of making things clear. And so I remember one night I was driving uh, uh, with my brother and we began to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I started to speak to him and break down the scriptures to him and break down the scriptures to him and break down the scriptures to him. And when it was done, he said, oh my God, I get it. I see it. This makes so much sense. Nobody has ever explained this to me. And as soon as he said that, I I heard the Lord so clear. He says, hey, that's what I've called you to do right there. That's it right there. You are called to help make things clear. So I said, okay, I don't re really know how this is going to play out, but I know that there are certain things that I keep talking to different people and I start to notice the pattern that when I'm talking to them about subjects, when I get done speaking, they have more clarity on the topic than when we first begin to speak. So yeah. I said, okay. So I'm called to clarity. What does this exactly look like? I, this is just one area of it. Then I remember a few months later, uh, I was playing the organ at a service. My father was actually a speaker of that service. And when he got done, the power of the Lord just falls within the service. It was an incredible time. Uh, it was at a youth uh, event. And I'm playing the organ, as I always did. And the spirit is moving heavy. And the pastor, uh, the host pastor of the church was there on the mic. And he just... It was the oddest thing because it wasn't a normal thing, but he was just, he stopped and he's just worshiping. He's not exhorting the audience or anything. And and I literally just remember thinking one minute, I'm thinking somebody needs to be leading these people to the next area that the spirit wants to take this service. And he's not doing it. And there's hmm. nothing against him. He literally was just worshiping the Lord along with everyone else. But I remember at one moment I thought that and the next moment, I have grabbed a microphone, I'm not on the organ, and I'm standing before the congregation exhorting the people. This was, I did, I was never the microphone guy. I was never, like, 
I, to this day, cannot explain it. I All I knew was one moment I was there, the next minute I'm standing up, I'm grabbing a mic, and I'm exhorting the people. Craziest thing ever. Hmm. But as this happens, while I'm doing this, I'm literally having one of the most spiritual experiences that I had ever had to date, where literally I'm seeing people be delivered. Like, it's like black clouds are lifting off of them, and I'm watching them break down in tears, and they're falling on the floor and all this, while I'm sitting here with, with the microphone. And I'm like, what is this? And so I... I exhort the people, I, we're singing and I'm exhorting and we're singing and it's just going absolutely bananas. And I hear that thing again, this is what I've called you to. So at this point, I'm like, okay, I get it. This is a call to pulpit ministry. This is yeah. a matter of speaking in public. Um, and so I went on another journey. I didn't immediately go. And now, of course, you know, after something like that, everybody's ready for you to start preaching. Yeah. At this point, I understand I'm called to preach, but I held back for several months. Um, and I've just stayed in fasting and prayer saying, okay, I want to make sure I'm prepared for this moment. I wanted to make sure that if there was anything in my heart that didn't need to be there, that I wanted to do that. There were even honestly down to the dumb, stupid things that I felt like if I needed to make this right, I was going to people and making it right. To the point where there was one thing that I thought was such a big deal that when I went to the person about it, they literally laughed in my face. They were like, that was no problem at all. Like, you felt like you needed to apologize for that? Like they thought it was stupid, but I was that sensitive about it. Here's what I came to find out was that a lot of times people jump out without clarification of their call. Yeah. And, and this is where I want us to kind of go as we are winding down our conversation is, and this is why I, I, I tailored this conversation, our question at the end to ask, okay, you got a call, but why? And, and both of you guys answered that. But I think there's so many people who are, are out there without clarification of your call. And here's what you have to understand about calling. And you guys can jump in right after I say this. I believe that every single time there is a calling, their calling is because there is a vacancy. There exactly. is no calling without a vacancy. Every single time God has ever called someone, it is because there is a void and there is a need for you to fill that void. And most of yes, us sir. are jumping out. And this is why you get out there in ministry and you end up being very confused or you end up copying someone or you awesome. end up being like someone else because you don't have that you don't know where that vacancy is. You don't know where that void is. And so you you are well, uh, well, let me preach like so-and-so. Well, let me do this. I remember when I first started in ministry, people were telling me, you know, because I literally out the box came out and said, my primary gift is the gift of the teacher. Now, my, 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 my presentation sometimes may be a little bit more animated because that is my personality, but my calling, my gift is the gift of the teacher. That is my anointing. I am a teacher. And mm -hmm. people tell me, you don't know that because you, you've only been preaching for, for two weeks. You don't know. But time showed that. But the reason I had that confidence was because I had the why. I knew where that vacancy was. God said, you are called to clarity. And so because I understood where that vacancy was, I had absolute confidence that this is what I'm called to do. Let, let's go yeah. into that. What, what do you guys oh, think? Yeah. 
I mean, yeah. And honestly, that's really where my, the bulk of all of my ministries came from. A lot of people, especially here, um, are always impressed with how much I do as far as ministry wise, because I play piano, I play drums, I play bass. I'm a sound engineer. I know how to do the whole live stream thing. I can teach, I can preach. I'm a youth leader and everybody, and everybody hears that. And they're like, wow, that's impressive. But really it was just because there was a vacancy. And every anytime there was a vacancy, God was like, go fill that void. So that's when I picked up because yeah. the first instrument I learned to play was piano. And um, I hated mu- music lessons. <laughs> um, but, you know, eventually, eventually later on in life, I, 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 you know, picked it back up. And then, you know, I started playing by ear. And then I wanted to start playing drums because there was a vacancy at our church for a drummer. Now, I never got to play at that church, but there was a vacancy for a drummer. And then I was just like, okay, let me pick up drums. And then later on, I picked up bass because um, my dad was a bass player and he was a bass player in the church. And Caleb, he picked up the bass far before before I did. And I was just interested in the in the instrument. So I was like, well, let me pick it up because it may come in handy later on in life. Now, I'll pause right there. Fast forward uh, nine years and I was the primary bass player for my church at my first duty station. So there was a void that was in the future that God put that burden on my heart to learn the bass nine years prior. And then, mm. uh, and then when it came to um, the pulpit ministry and it was, and it was kind of like, like, like the same thing with you, I had to really clarify exactly what it was I was doing with the ministry. Like it, it wasn't just about grabbing the mic and, and, and preaching and everybody's not called to be a preacher. And I believed that at a young age. And I thought that I was one of those people that were not called to be a preacher. Sure. You know? sure. Um, but, but I feel like, I feel like when, when people hear preacher, they, they, they think one thing. When people that have the mm. mic in the pulpit, it's not always the same kind of ministry. That's um, right. And that's, and that's when, I, when I finally had that clarity about what I was specifically called to do. And it wasn't just always to grab the mic and be behind a pulpit. Right. When, when I was called to ministry, that's, that, that's not what I was called to do. I was just called to, when I, when I think about that word ministry, I was called to minister to people. And I looked in the, and especially when I was going to Bible college and we started looking in the New Testament a lot, I noticed a theme with how Jesus ministered. Mm. And very rarely do you just see yep. Jesus going out everywhere and just preaching to a crowd of 500, preaching to a crowd of 5,000. Like, the amount of times he did that compared to the amount of times that he sat and ministered to somebody one-on-one is there, there's a astronomical difference yes. in how he did that. And that's what I yep. felt called to do yes, was sir. just to be a minister. Now, God always said, now be prepared to minister, to exhort um, a people, be prepared to speak to people, be prepared, but that's not necessarily everything that I've called mm-hmm. you to do. Yes, yes. And that's where uh, and that's where I've kind of grown as far as being a minister is is now it's not all about just grabbing the mic. And um, and I remember um, and and this was kind of one of the first times like you and I, you and I just had our personal like, you know, come getting closer together and everything was when we tag team preached all the years ago in South Carolina. And um, uh, the way everything happened, you know, and and we shared the story behind the scenes. um, I, I wasn't necessarily prepared to preach there. I wasn't called to preach there necessarily. I just showed up at the church one day and then the pastor was like, hey, um, I have this other young man and I want y'all to tag team preach tonight. And then I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know? And that was one of the first times that I literally just grabbed the mic and then I let God's spirit lead what I was to say and everything and how everything happened. And I was just like, 
I realized your ministry was yeah that ministry of clarity but also it was a it was a it was a ministry of of preparation like preparing people's hearts really really getting in there and, and preparing people's hearts to receive what they need from god too and um and and that's and that was kind of one of the times that i i realized um that ministry isn't just always just one little thing you're doing and that's it like you have to be flexible sensitive but most importantly versatile and um now you know fast forward all these years later all those lessons i learned um back in my preteen years now are now coming to fruition and now everything that i've learned i'm actually gainfully using nowadays absolutely yeah i think that exactly to 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 tag into this a little bit more one of the things that I believe that is one of the reasons why it's so important to to figure out the why uh, of your ministry is that you can't judge effectiveness without knowing what or why you're doing what you're doing. And honestly, you don't know what you're doing if you don't know why you're doing it. Exactly. When it comes down to ministry, especially you, you, you don't really know what you're doing if you don't know the why why did god call you um and, and because how am i going to judge effectiveness if if i don't know what god has actually called me to and exactly. in, in what way that i am to express that you know when, when we talk about that call to clarity uh you know what i found is that often i will take a topic uh, or a subject and and I will explain it in a way that people will understand it as you talk about that preparation for reception there's also then the preparation for uh, for application uh, yeah, and exactly. oftentimes what I have found is that and, and this does not mean that that there that there's nobody else here that has this ministry it doesn't mean that at all but what it does mean is that within your sphere of influence uh do I need to add you on this one, Caleb? All right. Uh, what, what it does mean is sometimes within your sphere of influence that God will call you um, to be one of the ones who, who uh, presents things in a way that reaches this particular audience or reaches this audience within a certain way. And here's the other thing, though, when it comes mm -hmm. down to ministry, once you understand the lane and the channel of, of which you are in, then everything that you do uh, uh, really begins to kind of funnel its way through that why. Um, exactly. You know, even when it comes down to this podcast, one of the things that I'm always after is saying, how can we make this the most clear? That that was one of the reasons why we all got in, involved in this in the first place. We were on Facebook posts and we were all after making things make sense, making sure that that we were uh, aligning uh, scripture properly, making sure that we were aligning facts properly and uh, aligning reasoning uh, properly. So. All of these are, 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 as far as the clarity piece for me, that is my passion in ministry is I'm going to help you by helping you to understand. Exactly. And, and, and it's honestly really, it's kind of the same with me, really. It's, it's really just, I'm going to help you understand and then apply it to your life in a practical mm -hmm. way. 
Um, I, I've, I, you know, growing up in church, you know, you always hear these right. cliche statements. You always hear people quote, quote the same scriptures and stuff like that and just try to tell you mm -hmm. um, all this stuff. And then I'm like, well, my, and, and then I, I hear that stuff. And then I'm like, well, how can I make that make sense to somebody mm -hmm. who may not believe it? Or may, or may uh, or may just completely say like oh no that ain't true like whatever whatever um, like le like how do I convince people that weeping may endure for the night but joy comes in the morning like how how do I really effectively right. minister that to people and, and I feel like my 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 call to ministry like I I, I, I say it's like a mission statement is fill the void mm. and make it make sense. And that's where that's where like my my ple my plethora of of ministry comes from. Like I'm I'm like whenever people say uh, uh like like that guy over there wears all the hats at church. Like I'm one of those guys, but it's really just because I'm filling the void. It's not because I like to stack my resume or nothing like that. It's just because there's a void, and I want to fill it. And then when it comes to the 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 handling the word part, it's just about making it make sense to people. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be repetitive. Like if it makes sense then people will say yes. it and believe it. And if people don't believe what they're saying or believe what you're saying, then there's that's no right. point in it. Like, and, and that's where, like, you can't have faith in something that you don't understand. So that's a, a big thing that, that I feel like uh, uh, kind of propelled my, my why into, into getting into ministry. Um, and, and like I said, I'm always I'm always prepared to speak, prepared to preach and everything, because I feel like I've, my my personal ministry, I felt called to evangelism. But my main um, focus is just ministering yeah. to people in a way that my, my pastor did. often uses this this phrase. He says, preach. And when you have to use words. Exactly, exactly. That's actually a good one. I might steal that one. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, um, in our last couple of minutes, um, I want you to tackle this, and I'll I'll, I'll tag on it here um, at the end here, right before we leave. What would be um, what would you say is a a key, a big key to to knowing or recognizing? um what your call is you know i'm sure there's somebody who's watching us um or who's going to watch this on the replay and they want to know hey what exactly um what what does it mean uh, to 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 feel the call or how how do i know what i'm called to i want to serve the lord i want to you know i want to be involved in something but how how do i know exactly what that is what what would you say um, I, I always, uh, I always tell my youth this, um, it, it's you no know, ministry is in, insignificant. Mm. Every ministry is significant. And, but we, uh, as church people, we've always talked about preachers, um, as like, that's the highest mm. calling and like, that's the most important ministry when that's yeah. not, not, it's not the case at all. Um, really uh, when you think about pulpit ministry, or ministry in general, it's actually a That's lowly right. Right. position. A low, like you're you're, ser you're serving people. You're giving your life. You're telling God, make my life an example. Which I, I always warn people: if you want, if you really pray for God to use you, be yes, careful if you pray that because He will. That can be, that, that can be a dangerous prayer because if if you pray God use me, He'll be like, okay, yeah. but it ain't gonna be comfortable. 
I've had to go through so much in my life that I definitely attribute to God, to my prayer way back, you know, years ago saying, God, use me. I want to minister to people, yada, yada, yada. And he's like, okay, give it a couple years. And now all these years later, and I've gone through all this stuff and I'm sitting up here like, but now I get to minister to other people and I understand what, not only what they go through, but they can see my story and be encouraged by it. So um, that's first and foremost, no ministry is insignificant. Um, second, God gives you your God. Like there's only one of you on the earth and there's a reason why um, God placed your personality and, and, and your heart and just who you are yes. on the earth for a reason. Um, find, finding that purpose doesn't necessarily mean that you have to grab mm. a mic and be in a pulpit. That doesn't mean you have to be a song leader. It doesn't mean you have to be a musician or youth pastor. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Whatever you, whatever you feel your personality is, as far as ministry and honestly anything could be any really anything could be a ministry um i, I always tell people this like uh, going and being a ceo could be a ministry or sure. because imagine imagine if the c if like the you know the ceo of apple looked at it as a ministry and that effectiveness reaches globally mm -hmm. like your 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 principles reaches globally your company is a safe haven for people. They feel safe at your at, at your company, and 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 they feel loved and everything. And that can be a ministry, right? So it doesn't always have to be something in church. Absolutely. It doesn't always have to be preaching or anything like that. Um, now that's what my ministry is, but that doesn't mean that that's, that's what you're right. necessarily your ministry necessarily will be. So um, really delve into who God wants you to be, like who you, what your personality is, because God made you that way for a reason. Figure out what. You can do. I mean, you can you can even look in church. Figure out what in church you can do, and if it's not necessarily directly involved in in what people would consider ministry at church, you can even look outside the church because God just didn't call us to be ministers in church. He called us to be ministers out, so yeah. really outside of church. Yeah. You know, uh, like like uh, like that example I said earlier. Jesus, the amount of times that he did one on one, like he met the woman at the well. He made he met a blind man just sitting there. You know. Um, he, he met all these people in, in transit, just, just doing things. And, and um, with that, you can always have um, a ministry be outside of the church because that's what God has called us to be as ministers outside of the church. So um, both of our gentlemen have. I'm, I'm still here. You oh, were there's just there's so Justin. Um, but oh. um, I would say for my, for my answer to that, um, I would say that, you know, we, a minute ago, we always talked about every calling is a result of a vacancy. And so how do yeah. I find that vacancy? I would say the, for me, what I've found is that sometimes the greatest sign of your uh, assigned vacancy, if you will, is your irritation. What irritates mm -hmm. you the most when it's done wrong is probably what you're called to fix. That's a good point. That's actually a very good point. Um, yeah. In my, my personal life, I've found that the thing that I keep saying, man, somebody needs to do this. Somebody needs to fix this. I wish somebody would. Mm -hmm. Whatever that thing is that really gets under your nerves, that really gets under your skin, that that is mm -hmm. probably the vacancy that you need to feel. And that's why seeing that void irritates you so much. 
that that irritation is most likely the sign that that is the void or vacancy that you need to fill. And that, that that's really my number one key. Any time someone asks me, "How do I know what I'm called to? How do I know what I'm?" I ask them, "What irritates you? What bothers you? What 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 mm -hmm. gets on your nerves?" And now, a lot of times. Something will get on our nerves and we feel like we're unqualified to fill that void. But but you have to understand mm -hmm. one thing about our calling is that God does not call qualified people. He qualifies call. Uh, he qualifies called people. And most of the time when you start, yep. you don't meet the qualifications. And and, and can we be honest, we're talking about working for God. I don't think we ever get to a point where we really do qualify. I, I I don't think that we should, no. because then we get too comfortable. I believe that yeah. there are there are base level things and competencies, absolutely. But when when you talk about for working sure, yeah. for God and serving His church, you are never perfect enough to to feel like you are strong yeah. enough uh, to walk in and serve God and serve His creation, uh, whether it is serving the church or whether it is serving someone who is homeless on the street, which the Bible says is the greatest of these. You you have got to understand yeah. that you never get to a point where you are all that. You you're not. You you're set. Absolutely. Yeah yeah. But I exactly. would say if you are trying to look for your calling, search through your irritations, and your calling is probably going to be somewhere in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, another thing is, you, you know, try to find somebody that that that, that you know, you trust that um, could also help guide you in that sense. Um, uh, for me, it's been my pastor um, and uh, he's 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 not very uh, I wouldn't say he's all up in my business kind of like mentor, but he guides me so much and allows me the freedom to um, be able to explore my ministry in, in a way that also yeah. um, complements it. So uh, that, that's one thing. And, and, and you should really go to your pastor for, for things like that. And if you can't trust your pastor, then maybe you should probably get a new pastor. But that's another subject for another day. Um, get, um, I, I know one thing uh, Emily li likes to talk about is like spiritual yes. gifts and everything. And there was one thing um, I prayed for from a young age was discernment. Um, because I felt like it would be an important thing for my ministry. And so I prayed for it for years. And uh, it's, it's interesting because I've been praying for it for years and I didn't realize that mm -hmm. I had it. Powerful. I just needed to, I guess I, 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 need, I needed to really hone in on what it was and how it complemented mm. my ministry. And why I had it, because, like, like I said, I, I was praying for it the whole entire time, and the whole entire yeah. time I had it, and then I realized how it can help me in my ministry. Um, and really, uh, another thing that I feel like uh, is—I don't even know if it's necessarily a spiritual gift, but I, I add to things in, in like very well. I may not be the originator of many things, but. And that's why I never really felt called to be a pastor is because I don't really feel like I'm I'm I'm, I'm like that original in, in in a sense, but I feel like whenever wherever I go, I add mm. value to it. Like I can take a good thing yeah. and make it better. Um, and that's one thing that I felt that I I was good at, and it was hard because it was hard for me to accept that because I like to be original. Um, 
I like to be the one credited with the with the original thought and whatever, whatever. And then I, and then I just humbled myself one day and I was just like, I really feel like God just called me to add on to stuff that edifies. People, yeah. You know, so instead of always trying to be uh, the one with the original thought, the main guy, be the person that can make that thing better. Like be the person that can make that service better. Be the person that can make that little uh, connect group better or whatever. So um, that that's another thing. And, and really, that was just a part of my personality. Um, I wouldn't um, you could call it a spiritual gift, but that was a part of my personality. And I didn't realize that that part of my personality actually complemented my ministry, which is another reason why I say look inward. Look at your personality as to things that um, uh, can help you in your ministry and help others with their ministry as well. Because one, one of the, well, here's here's a big thing um, that's especially in the Pentecostal church is competition. You will never add to your ministry by not supporting somebody else's. Ooh, say that again. You will never add to your ministry by not supporting somebody else's. That's so good. You need to be able to support other people's ministry as much as you support your, actually more than you support your own, you know? Um, and, and that's another thing that's, it's a, it's, it's hard because it, especially in the, uh, in the Bible college, um, scenario, like even when I went to Bible college, there was always this competition spirit. And I'm just like, I don't like this, man. I don't, I'm not in competition with nobody. Like we, we, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use a, a ghetto term. We can all eat. <laughs> like, right, I right. mean, and really, it's it really, it's really the, the attitude should be, we can all serve. What but th- there's now this, this, this kind of spirit of, I want to be the main focal point. I want to be the main yeah, conduit yeah. for, you know, this person receiving the Holy Ghost and this and this person being baptized and this many people shouting. Like everybody wants to be the main focus. No, 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 no. Just do your part. Just See, yours. If we are all actually called of God, then that means there is a void for all of us to fill. There's somebody exactly. that needs all of us. I think part of the competition comes in because we're all trying to minister to the same people. And sometimes, or, you know, we're all trying to reach the same audience a lot of times in church. And that is uh, often where that competition comes in because we True. have not expanded our perspective enough to who we can reach. And, and this mm-hmm. goes back to, again, if you have not identified why, if you have not identified that, that, that method by which you should be serving, you are absolutely going to mm-hmm. miss, you are absolutely going to miss um, who your audience is. Because everybody doesn't need exactly. my But somebody does. Yeah. If I have not identified who it is that I am, if I have not identified how God wants me to go forth, what my real anointing is, if I haven't identified that, I'm going to be I, trying to copy someone else. And, be, and, and, and here's the problem. When you're trying to be other people, nobody's being you. <laughs> and, and, and we already exactly. have. And here's the problem. Yeah. While you're doing that, they already exist. They already exist. 
and God is already using them to help the people that he has assigned for them to help. And you're trying to duplicate exactly. them. So now you're in competition for their audience. Here's the problem. The entire mm -hmm. time while you're competing for their people, nobody's attending to your people. Mm -hmm. Your people are left and with a void <laughs> because you're trying to imitate somebody else. Yep. And so it, yep. It's so important for you to identify um, exactly what it is that you are uh, are called to. Um, I, I think, uh, let's see, I just saw a comment here um, as, as we're closing. Um, well, first of all, let's, let's talk about this one. Um, this is from Emily. Uh, she says that knowing your personality and understanding yourself, uh, or sorry, knowing your personality helps you to know and understand yourself so much. Uh, she says she highly uh, recommends finding your Enneagram type. Interesting. Um, that is so true. Um, you've done that before. I've definitely went uh, and I try to find the the Enneagram type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can hear you. Um, I, I've done that before. I, I I've never really attributed it to ministry necessarily, but it really did give me insight to myself. Um, it does give you some, some insight, and it, and none of them are going to be like a hundred percent because everybody is unique. Sure, sure. But they are very. They're actually yeah. pretty helpful. They're actually very helpful in kind of uh, helping you understand strengths. Um, and what you can, you know, be better at, what you can work on, and some things that you should just put to the side that just won't um, be, uh, you know, helpful to you or your personality. So yeah, I agree with that definitely. I totally agree. Um, um, when I uh, when I did my uh, what's it called personality test, um, it gave me a lot of insight into who I am and um, what, like how I should go about pursuing my calling. Because I've never been that person that was, um, you know, super charismatic and, you know, the person everybody's, everybody liked, but I knew I had a calling. So um, it really gave me a lot of insight into how I should go about that. That's awesome. Um, as For we sure. kind of wrap up here. Um, Esther Lotus, uh, she says, uh, can you give a plug for your churches? If someone is in the area, they can find a good church. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'll start with that. Uh, I'm in uh, I'm in yep. Florida, Sunshine State, uh, and uh, <laughs> my church is Resurrection. Excuse me, Resurrection Life Family Worship Center in Fort Pierce, Florida. Uh, we're under the leadership of Apostle Trevor Banks. Um, what about you guys? So good. I'm uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska. It's very cold up here, <laughs> but I go to uh, the sanctuary of Fairbanks, uh, UPC. Um, and the pastor is uh, G.A. Parrish, Gordon, Gordon A. Parrish. Uh, uh, go yeah. to Pentecostals of Bossier in Shreveport, Louisiana. I uh, pastor is Pastor Jerry Dean. Associate pastor is Pastor Ryan Dean. You pastor is Levi. And I've been going there for almost two years now. And I would highly recommend anybody that's in the area that's watching this to give it, give us a visit. Awesome. Awesome. 
So, man, this has been a good one. Uh, I hope you've gotten to understand a bit more about us and our hearts towards ministry. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up tonight, but I, I want to encourage you again to like this and share this and, and come back and see us next week. All right. For sure. Right. For sure. Thank, you, thank you, everybody, for joining. We'll see you next week.